Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Would you join me in the book of Ezra this morning? Find the book of Ezra. And uh, I want to draw your attention to uh, the 21st verse of the 8th chapter. So the book of Ezra, chapter number 8, and verse number 21. Let me, let me see, how many, how many fathers do we have here in the auditorium this morning? Would you wave at me, please, all the dads? And I'm sure some of you grandfathers and maybe some grand, great-grandfathers. So glad you're here. How many moms are here today? Moms, go and raise your hand. Mom, moms and dads, go wave at me, moms and dads. And pretend like you're happy, come on. Good. So, so thankful for you. Glad you're here. Open Bible has some great families, and I'm honored to be your pastor to serve as your pastor. Donna and I really are. We're honored to, uh, to serve as your pastor and wife. And, uh, and I want to just take a few moments. We, we, we're coming out of a, a study several weeks on the family, and uh, kind of sum it up today, parenting on, on purpose. I know it's Father's Day, and a lot of what I'm going to say has to do with fathers, but it really has to do with parenting in the 20, 21st century, 2023. Brother Riddell said this morning, he said he went to bed last night, he was 40, woke up this morning, he was 80. <laughs> I, know, I know what he meant by that. It just goes that quick, right? Time just goes by that quick. And, uh, and so... We talk about parenting, Don and I feel as if we're still parenting. I guess we are. Our children are all raised now, we have grandchildren, but boy, it goes by quick. You know, when you're in the midst of it, you think, when in the world are we gonna get through these years? But they go by quick, you know? And so I wanna be a blessing to you this morning. Let me, let me draw your attention, verse 21. I'm in Ezra chapter eight. Look what Ezra says here. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Hava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek him, to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Right? You see that text? Fellas, I, I really need you to stay with me this morning. So flip that Bible verse up so, so they can see for themselves. Look, look at the phrase, and for our little ones. You see that? You may want to highlight that, and I promise you, I promise you in just a moment, just a little bit, uh, we'll come back to that. However, let me, let me suggest that what Ezra may have had in mind, now, of course, this is speculation, because I didn't speak to him, but when you study out this passage, what he may have had in mind, um, the implication is to be intentional. Intentional, right? Uh, and I think that's what he's speaking about here in this text. And if we focus just on this text, just that one verse, and what I've asked you to highlight, I would say this, he's talking to us about being intentional with our parenting. 
or maybe being intentional, today's Father's Day, intentional fatherhood, being intentional in raising our children. And like I said a little bit ago, the slide you just saw, parenting on purpose, right? Being intentional. And uh, I want to talk about that for a little bit. And I'm, I promise you, I'll get you back to the text and we'll walk through that. But let, let me talk to you about this word intentional and being intentional. Because it's more than just being intentional in our parenting. It's being intentional with our lives. It's being intentional as Christians. It's being intentional. Look, look at the definition. Uh, intentional means doing things on purpose, doing things deliberately, right? So you talk about being intentional, and we're talking about making deliberate choices, right? And there's some things in life that we just have to make some choices we make deliberately. Uh, being intentional reflects what's important to us, right? So you're making, you're making deliberate choices based upon what really matters, what's really important to you. Correct? Now keep this in mind, we're talking about intentional parenting, intentional fatherhood and motherhood. Uh, being intentional can help us to increase our focus and commitment to our purpose. Did you hear that? Being intentional could, can help us to be a little bit more focused and committed to what our purpose is. Being intentional is more than having good intentions. We all have good intentions. I remember this years and years and years ago. Someone preached a message about this. The path to hell is paved with good intentions. And so being intentional is more than having good intentions. Being intentional is a practical, now pay attention right here, is a practical and deliberate behavior. I want to say that one more time. Being intentional is a practical, it's a practiced and deliberate behavior. What we do, we do intentionally. What we do, we do on purpose. What we do, we do deliberately. Talking about parenting, intentional parenting. Uh, think about this with me. Listen to this statement. Having children is not nearly as difficult as rearing them. How many of us would agree? Now, us men would agree because we didn't go through the labor. And a lady might say, yeah, it's easy for you to say. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Having children is a lot easier than rearing children, especially today. And I think this, I think every born-again parent, every believing parent has this hope that our child, our children are going to live out our faith, right? And we have that, that's our prayer, that's our goal, that's our hope, that our children are going to take our faith and make it their own and then grow in it and grow deeper in it, and, and be what God wants them to be. However, studies show that doesn't always happen. Even though it's our intention, it's our prayer, it's our desire that our children possess our faith, and I mean, you know what I mean by our faith, right? They have to make it their own, and then grow in it. Studies show, and I won't get deep in this, but studies show that does not always happen. Some children turn away from it for whatever reason. And, and I want to say this about that. Uh, we cannot outsource the rearing of our children. Do you understand that? We can't outsource the rearing of our children. Uh, definitely a, a good school and a good church are important, and they help. 
but they're no substitute for the family. They're no substitute for the home. They're no substitute for parents. A good school, if you got, got, you got have your children in a good school and in a good church, that's wonderful, but don't think you can just take a deep breath and say, Phew, man, our job's done. We found the right institutions to help us. No, no, that, that's a help and that's wonderful. But we still have the task of being intentional in rearing our children. I know you agree with that. There's no substitute for home life. In fact, God designed the family to be the primary place where faith is nurtured. Right? God designed the family. He's designed the home. He's told fathers and mothers, parents to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's our job. It's our task. Thank God for schools that help, Christian schools, schools of faith that help and, 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 and work upon the same foundation, same values. And thank God for a church where you can come together and our children can see, you know, every other child being reared the same way, but it doesn't substitute for what you do at home. Amen. Not at all. And I think this, I think to be intentional, we need to teach our children principles to live by. Are you with me, church? We need to teach our children principles to live by. And I'm, I'm thankful that the Bible is filled with principles to live by. And I never want to assume as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a teacher, preacher, that everybody understands the terminology that we use from the, from the pulpit. You know, I remember hearing when I went to first start going to church, my pastor would, would preach about living by principles, Bible principles. And I thought, that's wonderful. What in the world is a Bible principle? Is that the same as a Bible verse? Is that the same as a Bible promise? Is that the same as a command? What is a principle? Somebody say, help me. <laughs> a principle, I found this definition to be helpful for me. It's a working definition. A principle is a designed path. It's a designed path. It's a course of action that we take in life. And the Bible has a number of designed paths, designed courses, divinely designed courses of action. In other words, it's God sitting back, looking at humanity and saying, they're going to need direction. And so let me, let me develop these courses, uh, this path for them to take. And we call them Bible principles. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. But we need to teach our family these courses of action, these paths to take in life. Are you with me? And so I want to share just a few of them with you this morning. I'll get back to that text. I just have a really long introduction this morning. Are you okay? All right, let me share some of these parenting principles with you. Here, here's the first one. Uh, it's called the influence principle. The influence principle. Psalm 78. Listen to what it says in Psalm 78, I jotted down verse number five for you to see it. Uh, look, at, look, at that, look at that screen, Psalm 78. In fact, the inscription on top of um, my psalm says, teach children God's laws. I have one of them good Bibles. It says in verse five, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. You see that? Uh, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments 
and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So, influence. The principle of influence. And here's the truth behind this principle. Listen carefully. What we do today will influence generations to follow. Did you get that? What we do today will influence generations to follow. Therefore, I think we need to break some of these negative cycles of our lives. Some of these negative cycles. I get a chance to talk to folks who have gotten saved in all different stages of life. And those who got saved later on in life where they already uh, had brought children into the world, where their children were already kind of raised up, maybe some teenagers, maybe some older, they're quick to confess that they have brought into this new life some of the old way of thinking. Are you with me? And so I think it's time for us to step back and say, I, I got to take a look at, at what's going on in my life and the influence that I'm I'm yielding and the influence that I am, you know, projecting and make sure that I break the negative cycles of life and begin to establish a more positive influence for my children to follow. Just because my dad treated my mother poorly doesn't mean that I have to treat my children's mother poorly. Because if that continues, my son will treat his wife poorly. You got that, right? And so there's the influence principle. Let me give you another one. It's the like. By the way, we can spend a lot of time on that one, right? But then there's the likeness principle. The likeness principle. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse number 6. You know this verse. Kids know this by, by heart. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. We call that the likeness principle. Listen carefully. The, the, the teaching here, the teaching here is a tendency. A tendency. Uh, what, what I mean by that? Children tend to embrace the values and behaviors of their parents. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to let that one go down. Right? Train up a child the way you should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Some people have said this, boy, I, I thank God for that promise. That's not a promise. That's a procedure. It's not a promise. Huh? No, Bible's filled with promises. That's a procedure. And here's what, here's what Solomon observed. He said, as I walk through life, because Proverbs are, are, are observations, and as I went through life and as I looked at parents who trained their children in the Word of God, I'm kind of adding some stuff into that. Huh? Here's what I've seen. Here's what I, here's what I noticed. Those kids, when they were old, stayed by it. Nowhere does it say in the middle that they got away from it and came back, but that's, that's a possibility. Huh? See, sometimes we think, train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, that means that we train him from the cradle, then all their days they're going to be perfect. It's not what that, that Bible teaches. That's not what that verse teaches. No, that's, that's the teaching of tendency, and here's the truth of it. Uh, what we, uh, children tend to embrace the values and behaviors of their parents, and sometimes that takes time for it to become visible. Huh? 
You know what I hear? As much as my children growing up every once in a while didn't like what I said, you know what I hear them doing now? Repeating what I said. (laughs) Because I went from being the dumbest guy in the room to the smartest person in the world in just a few years. Right? You know, I hear my adult children now parroting some of the things that when I was saying it to them, they were like... Now they're older, and why? I'll tell you why. Because of the tendency here. We need, to set, we need to make sure we set the right example to follow as parents. So it's the likeness principle. Huh? By the way, listen carefully. The pattern that we set, the example we set, is not one of perfection. It's one of genuineness. Huh? Right? See, we've been trained to make, make sure, uh, man, make sure your children never see your weaknesses. Man, that's, that takes a lot of work. Huh? Right? I mean, make sure. No, wait a second. All my children need to know is that I'm genuine. And every once in a while, being genuine, I need to apologize. And every once in a while, being genuine, I need to point out my weaknesses. You know what some folks have said to me as a pastor? Pastor, thank you for being real, because when you say some things about yourself, it really helps me. Huh? Why? Listen, I'm a man of God. I walk with God. I try to live a holy, separated, sanctified life, but I'm still human. Yeah. And there's times I want to run people over on the road. Right? Just sometimes I want to give somebody a, a dose of their own medic- medicine. It's in me. I don't thank the Lord. Somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit has restraint in my life, you know? But I want to. Genuineness. That's being genuine. Because people see through your so called perfection anyway. Your so called perfection. Right? Let me move on. I can see you're saying, please move on. (laughs) I'll give you a third principle. This one's called the truth principle. The truth principle. The truth principle. You know, we live in a deceptive world, right? Listen to what the Bible says in John 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. You know what he's speaking about there? He's speaking about the devil. He's talking, uh, Jesus is speaking to the Jews, and he's talking about the influence the devil has over them. He's, he's the father of lies. And we live in a world that is, you know, somewhat influenced and controlled by him. And so our children, every single day of their lives, have to deal with deception. And I think the enemies of the cross will attempt to deceive him. And so, what do we do? We need to teach them truth. We need to teach our children truth. What our children need as they begin the journey, their journey of life and, and faith is truth. And the only way to navigate through the deceptive lives of our society is if they know the truth. You agree with me? The truth. So, we need to equip our children with a sensitivity to the right voices. Hello? To the right voices. 
And parents, listen, every time, every time your child hears you bad-mouthing an authority, you're taking away the authority of authority. Huh? And I mean any authority, whether it be a police officer. Look here, do, are all police officers right? And No, come on, there's nobody right. There's no, there's not, you can take all of anything, and it's never all right. All pastors right? No. All parents right? No. All school teachers? No. All police? No. But they are an authority. Hello? And when little Bobby comes home or little Betty comes home, and because they don't like the class... And they tell you that the teacher is, is, you know, jaded, and the teacher's always picking on me, Mom, and the teacher just doesn't like me, Mom. That's why I got that D. <laughs> you mean it had nothing to do with the fact that you didn't study, you didn't put in the effort? No, no, Mom, not at all. Dad, not at all. So guess what parents today do? Look here, if I came home like that back in the day, 20 years ago when I was 18, if I came home like that, my father, I would have never said it to my father because he would clean my clock. Huh? He never took my position over the teachers. He never did. I used to say to him all the time, why do you love her more than you love me? But you know what teachers do today? They start a campaign. Parents do today. They start a campaign against that teacher. They go in. They don't go talk to the teacher. They go talk to the schoolmaster. They talk to the principal. They talk to the administrator. They take the kid out of school. And all little Betty and little Bobby is saying is, we got him. We got him now. Got him wrapped around our finger now. So guess what happens when they're 25 years old and they come home and the boss didn't give them a raise? Hello? You're going to go fight the boss because you didn't give the raise? And the boss says, well, your son's a lazy bum. He's, he, he, he's, you ought to be thankful he's got a job. He should be fired. Hello? Not my child. Oh, yeah, your child. It's the same one down in sixth grade was complaining about the teacher. What am I saying? We need to equip our children with truth. They need to hear the right voices in their ears. And even if that voice is jaded, so what? Life is jaded. Hello? How many times my children said to me, Tony, that's not fair. You're right. Life's not fair. There's no book that said it would be. So we got to teach them early on how to deal with the unfairness, how to deal with being defrauded. Are you with me? Can I give you one more principle? Then I'll give you the message. Here's the principle. Here's the last one. The instruction principle. The instruction principle. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 Look at this Bible verse. And that from a child, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That from a child. Huh? Listen to this statement. I'm going to say it slow. I should have put it on here for you to copy it. Listen to this statement. Our children can only learn what we teach them in the manner that will reach them. I'm going to say that again. Our children... Our children, right? Talking about our kids, your kids, my kids. Our children can only learn what we teach them in a manner that will reach them. Let me interpret that. Our children are unique. 
And I don't mean that to be strange or funny. I mean, every one of your children, we have four, they're all individually unique. Are you with me? Uh, All our children are. And we may need to vary our approach based upon their personality or learning style. What do you mean, Pastor? What work with one may not work with the other. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes we need to adjust it, you know? It's called the instruction principle. How can I best teach, instruct my child right where, they're at, right where they are at this moment in time in their life? Right? Huh? I guarantee we have four children, our, our, young, our youngest and then our, our, our oldest, and, and really we, we had to adjust down through the years. Because what worked for the oldest just wasn't working for the youngest, you know? And there's, you know, there's years in between, right? And so times change, and truth never does, but times change and things change, and so we had to make adjustments. You know what all that takes? It takes a lot of work. Flip them principles up again. It takes a lot of work. The influence print, the likeness, the truth, it takes work. Why? Look, that word principle means it's a course of action. It's a path that you you work toward, that you establish, that you lead in. Yay? You with me? Does it come easy? But I think this, I think we can be intentional in our parenting. We can be admonishing and nurturing. We can be. We should be. Now, let me take you back to our text. Here's the message. Pay attention to this. The times in which Ezra lived were difficult times. I don't have time to go back and give you the history of Ezra, but they were in captivity, right? They weren't a free nation at this time. They're in captivity. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah. You know what Nehemiah does? Nehemiah is a wall builder, right? God spoke to Nehemiah about taking the people, going back and building the walls of Jerusalem. Well, God speaks to Ezra about going back to Jerusalem and building the temple, place of worship. And, uh, and so what he does is this. He, he gets permission from uh, the king, and he takes a group of people back to Jerusalem. 1,500 men, along with their families, he takes back to Jerusalem. But he does something here that every father, every man, every parent should do in this text of Scripture. I want you to notice this. He doesn't trust in his own strength or that of his soldiers or of his men, but he calls the men, he calls the families to pray and fast. Did you see it? Look at that text again. Very first thing, verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there. I proclaim the fast there. I could stop right there, and I can ask us as parents, when was the last time we fasted for our children? When was the last time we really had a prayer meeting just for our kids? Help me here. You okay? Yeah. That's what he does. He calls for prayer and fast. He was trusting the protection and the guidance of God more (laughs) than the strength of that group of individuals, that group of families, right? And, And note that he told them to pray specifically for the little ones. 
right? Pray that we might afflict ourselves for God and to seek Him a right way for us and for our little ones. What's Ezra concerned about? He's concerned about the children who were going to have to go on this long journey. It was going to be artists. It was going to be tough from where they were to Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. Huh? There's no flatlands there. It's all uh, hills and desert and dry and tough terrain. He's concerned about the children. These were difficult times, and Ezra knew that being deliberate would make a difference. Do you see the connection I'm trying to make? We're living in difficult times. We're living in difficult times, right? And, and you and I need to understand that being deliberate will make a difference. Being deliberate. So how can we become more intentional? On the way out the door, let me give you three very, very, very practical truths from this text of Scripture. You okay? All right. Here, here, here's the first one. Practical suggestion. There needs to be something within us. There needs to be something within us. Uh, you know, the only way we can pass on to our children our faith is if we first have the faith. Right? You can't pass on something you don't have. Are you with me? And so we need to make sure that we not only possess the faith, listen to this, but the faith possesses us. I want to be controlled by my faith. I want to make decisions based upon my faith. I want to lead my family based upon my faith. And of course, when I say my faith, I'm speaking about the faith. The faith. You got to have something within you. In order to be deliberate and intentional, you must have something inside of you to pass it on. In other words, the power to live from, for, for God comes from God. Right? power to live for God comes from God. It doesn't come from Christian experience. It doesn't come from attending the right church. No, the power to live for God comes from God. And we need to tap into that power. We must, as parents, we must tap into that power. We're told in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, to be filled, to be filled, to be filled with the Spirit of God. You know what that means? It means to be controlled by Him. It means to be under His influence. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Don't be under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit of God, is what that text teaches us. Why? Because that's our source of power. And our source of power comes from above, comes from God. And it must reside within. It must reside within. And so from Ezra, you know, he says, then I proclaim the fast there. They afflicted ourselves before God to seek of Him a right way. He understood that, you know, God was the resource. and needed to make sure they had the right stuff inside of them to carry them through. Here's a second practical thought. There's no shortcuts to success. There are no shortcuts to success. You can't shortcut it. Uh, if you were to do the, the work here in, verse, in this whole passage, you'd find that the trip back to Jerusalem was a long, hard trip back. Pay attention here. The trip to Jerusalem was difficult. You know, it was tough. Uh, no shortcuts on the journey. And you know, rearing children today is tough. 
right? We're dealing with things that others have not dealt with. You know, I look at parents today, and man, I, I pray hard for you because I understand, you know, all, all that you're dealing with, all the modernization, all the new technology, correct? I mean, years ago, you just turn off the TV. When you turn off the TV, you've got to turn off the tablet. You've got to turn off the laptop. You've got to turn off the phone. You put one app on your child's phone, there's another app that they find to overcome the app you just put on their phone. So, you know what we're finding out? Years ago, you know what they used to tell us two years ago? Preachers used to tell us, throw that TV out. You ought not have a TV in your house. So, you know what we did? We threw the TV out. Not me, I never did. Throw that TV out. But here's some people did. Guess what? They still had problems. Why? The problem wasn't the TV. Problems inside of you and I. Problems in us. Problems in our children. And so really, it's not the phone or the tablet or the laptop or the TV. It's the heart of your child. And the heart of your child needs to be molded and tempered. There's no shortcuts to this. Huh? Well, I take them to church. I make sure they're in Sunday school. They never miss a youth activity. God bless you. I'm happy for you. But don't think for one second that's going <laughs> to... No, it's got to be more than that. It takes work. It takes time. It takes instruction. No shortcuts. You know what it takes? I appreciate what Brother Riddell said in the morning session here. Talked about time. We need to be patient as parents and have the right temperament. Huh? Yeah. And that takes, that takes some work. Time makes all the difference. You know? Why? Because they're, 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 they're a work in progress, aren't they, young people? Right? And they're just a little bit right now what they're going to be in the future. So, you know, you got an eight-year-old, or bless God for an eight-year-old, but soon they're going to be 13. And then 15, 16, and 17, and you're going to be praying for 18. Because you're going to think 18 is the magic number. I won't pop your bubble. <laughs> this takes work. It takes time. Time. Dr. Riddell did a great job in the morning session on time, nurturing what it takes. It takes time. You can spell it any way you want. He spelled it L-I-S-T-E-N. Time. Listen. He spelled it H-E-L-P-M-E, help me. He spelled it B-E, well, you didn't spell this one, but I'll add this one. B-E-T-H-E-R-E, be there. Hello? It was in my notes, by the way, Doc. You preached my message. You know, there's a carpenter's rule, measure twice, cut once. Right? You know what that takes? It takes time. It takes time, but it sure does prevent a whole lot of mistake. Finally, let me share this with you. Our faith must become a behavior. Our faith must become a behavior. Did you see that? Our faith must become a behavior. Ezra was leading the men to pray and then fast. He wanted these men to be right with God. He wanted these men to be right with God. And that makes, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? When you're right with God. Look up here for a second. I'm finished now. Doesn't it make all the difference when you're right with God? 
Huh? Being right with God. But let me ask you a question now. Let's talk about this just for a second. <laughs> what does it really mean to be right with God? Huh? We throw these words out all the time. Oh, I'm praying for revival. Would you even know if you had revival? What's well, revival? Right? Oh, man, if you just, I'll tell you what, if you just get right with God, what's it mean to be right with God? I made up a list for us. And you can amend the list, but this is my list. What does it mean? Well, I think top of the list, practicing obedience to his word. That may, if that's all you got on the list, that's enough. Practicing obedience to his word. Uh, I added a few more things, though. Admitting when you're wrong. We're talking about parenting, right? Let me ask you a question. Parents, did you ever, did you ever admit to your child that you were wrong? Did you ever ask your child for, a, for, 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 did you ever apologize to your kids? Did you ever say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I made, made a mistake. Would you forgive me? Oh, God forbid, Pastor. If I were to do that, they'd take advantage of me. If you were to do that, your child might realize that, you know what, he has got a little bit of genuineness in him. How about this one? Being kind when you're tired. See, you thought I was going to give you some doctrinal truth, right? No, just practical stuff. Just practical stuff. Just being kind when you're tired, because when you're tired, you're not very kind. I'm looking at you right now, and you're driving me crazy. I know you're tired. Uh, sacrificing for others. By the way, I can give you this list if you want. You can take it home and work on it. Uh, loving without conditions. Amen. What's it mean to be right with God? Make it practical. Make it practical. See, our faith must become our behavior. Does that make sense at all? Go back to those three things. Our faith must become our behavior. It's not just something we talk about. It's not something we admonish. No, it's got to become reality. Our children, our families need to see it in us. They need to see us model it, right? And that, I believe, is intentional. That's parenting on purpose, right? And, and I think we, we can do that. Maybe, maybe we ought to start where Ezra started. Where do you start? Look at that text again. Then I proclaimed a fast there. Where? Right at the river of Hava. Where was he? He was right where he needed to be. You can only start where you are. Help me here. Well, I tell you what, preacher, I'm going to do this as soon as I, you'll never do it. If you're depending upon something else to happen for you to do what you're supposed to do, you'll never do what you're supposed to do. You got to do what you're supposed to do right where you are. Right here, right now, today. Right? Say, so, Pastor, what am I going to do with this message? You've got to do something with it right now. Now, you know what? I think I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to put this to work this week. No, you won't. If you don't put it to work right now, you won't put it to work at all. Huh? So maybe we need to start where Ezra started, right there. Prayer and fasting. I will tell you this, the effort, the effort is certainly worth it. The effort is certainly worth it. You know what John said? I find no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. He didn't say, I find it no greater joy than to see my kids are following right in my footsteps. 
No, you know why? Because some of John's footsteps would not have been good for his children to follow in. Right? But to have your children walk in the truth, boy, that's a, that's a great blessing. Amen? And the effort certainly, certainly worth the fruit. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.